This is the Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. In case you haven't noticed, journalism in America is changing. Investigative journalism was the highfalutin title applied to muckraking. But muckraking as a celebrated form is coming back. And that's left old models of journalism and many old journalists more than a little disturbed. Mike Flynn is editor of BigGovernment.com. We spoke last week. We create it because if you think about all the issues going through today, whether it's cap and trade or health care or bailouts, uh, the underlying fundamental issue that interests people and has people concerned is the rapidly expanding federal government and the general size and scope of government. Uh, in any given week, uh, the focus of issues may be energy, maybe environment, maybe health care. But underneath it all is this concern about government and what the role of government is. And we realized there was really, there was no one place for that issue. Um, you know, part of what I think the policy challenges have been fighting the left in the last few months is that they have moved forward on such a comprehensive, broad front of issues um, that it's almost overwhelmed our capacity to oppose it. Uh, you know, everybody's got one particular issue area they care about. Um, but they're coming across a broad front, and that is that is moving forward the size of government. And so we created this site to provide a place where average Americans who are concerned about this can go and get information uh, and learn and be able to get the tools to fight back against that encroachment. The videos that essentially launched BigGovernment.com right. looked in a funny way at the organization ACORN. Um, videos are ubiquitous now. Right. Most, most people listening to this are probably familiar with them. Is it appropriate to call that investigative journalism? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think I told you before we started that, you know, one of the unfortunate consequences of my involvement is I'm now on a listserv for the Columbia Review of Journalism. Um, and, you know, watching journalists dissect their craft is really fascinating and ultimately kind of boring. I mean, it's, it's the only thing worse is watching actors talk about their craft. Um, you know, you know the, we, we, we look, journalists look at this, they, they define journalism as this like period of just like the last couple decades, that that's journalism. Uh, forgetting the, the huge swath of journalistic history going back to Upton Sinclair and the muckrakers uh, at the turn of the century. Um, you know, yes, it, it, it is investigative journalism. I mean, it, it, if that even means, I don't even know if it's important, it, but it is, it is telling a story and showing a story uh, that is, it is not out in public and it's showing it to the light of day. And it's not, yes, the videos are funny uh, because of the setup, but if you think that it wasn't one off, every office went along with this. Uh, and there are two things that I thought were really kind of disturbing. And, and one is in the videos that the employees of Acorn never flinch when they hear the setup. Um, you know, they're, they're never taken back by it. They just roll with it. Like, you know, I almost think, what do you hear every day? <laughs> uh, that this doesn't, you know, underage girls from El Salvador are turning tricks. That's just like, oh, well, you know, claim is a tax deduction. Um, and then, you know, th that the advice they give is actually pretty good if you were going to try to, like, hide uh, illegal activity. Um, and, you know, if I were trying to advise somebody to do that, I'd have to think a bit about it. Uh, but they have the advice that they're ready to call. And, and that's, I think, the more insidious thing of the videos. Yes, they're funny, but they also expose something a little darker. Yeah, in some sense, uh, what Hunter Thompson was producing in, in his time period was something that was, uh, in some sense, not credible at all. Right. But in right. another sense, 
captured something that you can't get at really any other way except through the method that he was using to do it. That's right. And and, and look also at like the, you know, Hunter S. Thompson and the whole like new journalism of like, you know, Tom Wolfe and people like that. I mean, journalism, I guess, in its most basic sense is telling a story about the way we live, uh, telling a story about society as it is today. Um, And, you know, so I think Hunter S. Thompson certainly was a journalist, um, not in this kind of Columbia Review of Journalism, Washington Post, New York Times kind of way, uh, but also in their own way, they're not credible. And, you know, they, you know, my problem with, with a lot of mainstream media is not that they are biased, which is like a priority, is that they pretend they're not. Uh, I'd much rather listen to MSNBC, although I agree with no, nothing they say generally, than I would CNN. Uh, because at least MSNBC is open and honest about what their bias is. I mean, I, I'm always a big fan of the British newspapers because of that. But CNN, I mean... CNN, for the sake, the love of God, they fact-checked a CNL skit. Uh, Saturday Night Live did a skit that kind of poked good-humored fun at President Obama. And the following week, CNN decided to fact-check that skit. Um, What kind of world of journalism does that come from? Mainstream journalists are concerned. We've had this golden age for uh, several decades now, and things are in some ways, going back to the way they were before with uh, many competitors uh, uh, trying to achieve the same result, that is essentially informing people and capturing some of the benefits of doing so. And there's a hell of a lot of Mm, uh, hand-wringing among journalists today who have a serious problem with uh, the way the market is headed. Right. Well, look, I mean... I wouldn't want to be a journalist right now uh, in that old model because your competition is anybody with broadband connection. Um, Any individual citizen uh, with access to the internet competes with the Washington Post. Um, That's all a good thing. I mean, look, look, the the mainstream media, the way it's developed right now, they they are nothing but a middleman. Uh, You know, they have... Position, they have the role of a gatekeeper deciding what news we hear, what news we don't hear. Uh, the internet wipes out gatekeepers. It wipes out middlemen. It's done that in every kind of industry. Um, travel agents wrung their hands a lot because people are going to be able to book their own tickets. You see the same thing going on with in- bookstores wringing their hands because people go to Amazon in that. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I mean, are we concerned about these few people who have jobs in journalism or about the hundreds of millions of people who now have access to news and information they never had before. Yeah, it's not just hand-wringing. It's also how will civilization continue without, <laughs> without us performing this very specific task? Well, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody with a greater self-inflated sense of their own importance than journalists. I used to be one. <laughs> uh, then you know I speak truth. <laughs> <laughs> so... With the old model of newspapers and and a lot of the way media is being presented, uh, the rise of Fox News and MSNBC presenting a pretty clear point of view, think tanks, state-based think tanks, particularly free market or conservative state-based think tanks, uh, with along with the Franklin Fund, have hired investigative journalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
are there pitfalls there? What pitfalls do you see in that ty- in developing that type of model? There seems like there's some some unique conflicts that may be presented there. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, this is not just like um, you know everything is like you know the sun is shining and, and birds are singing. Um, there will be missteps. There will be people who do things wrong, but that's all good. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I think the future of journalism, aside from even the think tanks, um, is the hyper local journalism. Um, you know, you see growing now a lot of hyper-local websites that almost news down to the neighborhood, um, you know, and providing community calendars, news about like band practice and things like that, of use to people. Now, the thing, to your question, the think tanks get in journalism, I mean, there, there's, there's one possible pitfall, and that is they don't really, it's a, they don't have an institutional knowledge of journalism in what they're trying to do. And then the second is always a concern. And the left has started to do the same model as, as what you mentioned that free market think tanks are doing, um, is that uh, they use it as a vehicle. They, they decide the end of the story and then fill in the story to meet the conclusion they've already gotten. Um, it's not a problem. It's only a problem for them because ultimately they'll be exposed for that. And they need to try to maintain their credibility. Um, but again... I go back to the British model. Uh, I would rather have a journalist speak to me with his bias out in the open um, than behind this fake veneer of objectivity. But the decide the conclusion and fill in the story is certainly not a unique challenge of facing think tanks. I can remember when I worked in television briefly, uh, a producer was very upset that I did that I the story I found was not the story that I was told to go get that morning right. by somebody who never left the building in the first place. Well, and that's why, you know, and that is, some of that's human nature, but, and that's why the the fewer gatekeepers you have, the better, because ultimately the truth will out. People will try that, but the internet doesn't let them get away with it. Mike Flynn is editor of BigGovernment.com. The Cato Institute is now on YouTube, username Cato Institute Video. All of our videos are also available at Cato.org. <laughs>